everyone, you're listening to the Simple Electronics Podcast. I'm your host, Dan, from the Simple Electronics YouTube channel. This episode is brought to you by PCBWay, but more about that later. Today, I don't have anybody special on at all. It's just me. No freaking surprise, I've been incredibly busy lately. Actually, not so much busy. I mean, I've been busy in the past. These days, it's not really that I'm busy. It's more that it's been incredibly hot around here and it's been incredibly draining to uh, work outside in that heat in uh, in my new job. So, yeah, very hot here, uh, somewhere around 30 degrees Celsius. And I'm just going to do a conversion to Fahrenheit. Uh, OK, 86 degrees Fahrenheit. But with the humidity, it feels, you know, somewhere uh, in the 40s. So, you know, over 100 degrees Fahrenheit. So yeah, it is hot around here, but I have actually been making videos lately. Um, a video should have just went up not too long ago talking about um, battery cells in parallel and series. What's that mean when you're building your own battery packs? What kind of battery pack you need for your projects? And it's that kind of tutorial work that I'm really excited to get done finally. And so that video uh, is out now. And I was actually quite lucky to be sponsored by Keysight for that one. So Keysight is one of those big sponsorships that a channel like mine can only dream of landing. And I don't say big in terms of like big money. I'm, I mean, it's a sponsorship, so it does pay quite a bit more than the ad revenue. But it's more like the prestige having someone like Keysight reach out to me and uh, want to, to buy an ad spot in a video is like one of those milestones that I never thought possible. I mean, I did also release a video uh, recently about a Kaiweets soldering station and having someone like Kaiweets reach out is quite like a tit for tat sort of relationship. A lot of my viewers are, you know, sort of right in the price range that um, Kaiweed's products sort of cater to. Actually, a lot of them are are now above that price range uh, as of recently. But Keysight is an industry juggernaut. I mean, they, they deal with uh, test equipment valued in the millions of dollars. You know, I had Daniel Bogdanoff, um, a Keysight rep, on the podcast a little while ago. And um, yeah, he was just saying, you know, how he's just around, you know, millions of dollars worth of test gear, like all the time. And so, yeah, to have them reach out to a little channel like mine uh, felt quite humbling. I was actually um, really happy for that. Uh, the sponsorship was a little bit, uh, you know, a, a little bit longer in the making that I'm comfortable with because I was quite busy during my regular semester. But now, these days, the kind of busy I am is busy in content creation. So I'll talk about that a little bit later. At the moment, something that I really want to talk about because it is near and dear to my viewers' hearts is that um, AliExpress now, on the app only, not, in the, um, not on the website, if you go to AliExpress uh, on the homepage on the app, there's going to be a section that says three plus items from US $1.99. And if you go into that section, it's a little bit tailored to your uh, sort of custom browsing habits. So 
if you browse that that area of the app and you don't like what you see, as soon as you do see something you like, make sure to click on it and then go back to the browsing and then click on more stuff you like and then refresh your app and it'll give you more options. But what it is essentially is sort of um, a return to the cheap Chinese products that we all knew and loved, or at least most of the people on this channel knew and loved. So they are massively discounting certain products just to drive sales. And um, I was talking to another maker the other day, and and he he think it he thinks it's might it might actually be pressure from Timu. Timu is like a, a new sort of uh, AliExpress Banggood type shopping competitor. I didn't find it as um, elaborate as AliExpress, um, but I did find it, you know, interesting. I haven't ordered anything from them yet. But since AliExpress has been putting on this section, uh, which is just, you know, sort of massively discounted things, I've been buying more stuff from AliExpress. I should have enough to make two mailbag videos out of the items I bought just from this shelf. So how it works is there's a couple of categories. There's $1.99 US, $2.99 US, and $3.99 US. And you browse it, and they offer things at like massive discounts. And I mean, just looking quickly in my feed now as I speak to you, um, I'm not sure about the US prices, but the Canadian prices, um, there is a infrared thermometer for $6.72 Canadian. There is a uh, wire stripper for $5.37. There is a um, sort of like a, a high current switch for $2.68. These things are quite cheap and you just refresh it a few times and you get different options. And so these are, you know, I was able to manage to pick up some things that I was planning on getting on Amazon because it was the next cheapest option, but I'm saving over half the price by getting it through AliExpress. And all these uh, shelf items, they have free shipping to Canada. A lot of the items I've been picking up recently at AliExpress are not free shipping to Canada because of the global shipping crisis, which seems to have ended, but not for retailers. So it seems like we still have to pay a lot of freaking money to ship things to Canada. So this thing has been pretty good. And I thought I'd let you guys know, my core audience, uh, to take advantage of it before it is too late. Um, and if it wouldn't bother you to click one of my affiliate links in the description of the video or anywhere on my page and then, you know, use that to go shopping. I mean, I, I wouldn't say no, although I don't think any of these items are sort of associated with any affiliate accounts. I don't think there is very much profit in these items. But like just just for example, like a battery shutoff switch, you know, a 100 amp or 150 amp battery shutoff switch. I bought uh, a whole bunch of them and I ended up paying something like $5.50 each, which is actually very cheap. Amazon is like more like $15 each, but I found it in the app just now for $2 and something for like $2.60, I think. So, I mean, if you don't want a lot of, um, of items, you just want one-offs, this is probably the best way to do it is to find it in that shelf. And so far, the only way that I can tell to sort of manipulate the algorithm to tell it what you want is to uh, click on a whole bunch of different things that have your interests at heart. Like, for example, 
Um, I had uh, I, I was looking for uh, cheap clothing for the wife because I was like, well, if there's like a two dollar tank top or something, we'll give it a shot. Um, but then for a while, it was serving me all women's clothes. So I had to go and sort of click through electronics things and then refresh the app. And now I only have one or two listings that are women's clothes. Um, also, when I was looking for stuff for a kayak, so you click on like one item for a kayak and then all of a sudden it's all like water sports things. So you just got to be careful a little bit uh, to take care of what the algorithm shows you because or else you're just going to be sort of in the dark for a little while. So, yeah, th that's pretty good advice. I would say take advantage of it before the uh, they, they pull it, because obviously, it, I mean, it's got to be some sort of advertising stunt. I don't think there's long term uh, sort of I don't think there's a there, there's a future in subsidizing items like that. So take advantage while you can. Uh, I've done two orders, uh, one with three items and one with six items, and um, probably going to end up ordering more, to be honest, because, again, it's very hard to get cheap stuff from China these days. Another video I'm finally getting to is the uh, lithium iron phosphide battery uh, sort of. Actually, I've got two videos for that. One is building my first battery pack, which is four cells in series, so a 12 volt equivalent pack. And the other one is kind of like a tell all about the process of getting the cells over to Canada from the Chinese seller. So I'll tell you, it's a little bit sketchy to send a thousand dollars over to China through, you know, AliExpress, which is historically pro uh, vendor and not pro buyer. Um, and, you know, hope that these cells appear one day. I mean, it, it, it's a lot of trust to put into someone on the other end of the world who really doesn't owe me anything. Um, they could just disappear, close up their business, and we'll never hear about it. So the tell-all video is going to explain, you know, sort of the intricacies of that, my fears and what had happened. But I'll sort of explain it to you guys here because, you know, you guys are my exclusive audience, not just anybody listens to the podcast, only the finest folks listen to the podcast. So I made an order for 16, you know, quote unquote, grade A cells. They're 105 amp hour, uh, supposed to be uh, var uh, very core um, prismatic cells. And uh, they're supposed to be, you know, top quality come with the correct charge. It's supposed to have M4 um, studs on them for bolting, which I found a little bit small. M4 is like, you know, four millimeter studs are kind of small, but whatever. They arrived here in two and a half months, so it took quite a while. Um, there were 16 of them. I don't know if I mentioned that. I'm sort of rambling here. It is also late at night. And um, the first red flag is that they arrived via UPS, which was only tracked once it got into Canada, which means that they did not use UPS to get it over here. They probably put it on a slow boat and did the reshipping from the Canadian shore. But they were not labeled as having lithium batteries inside. The boxes were totally unlabeled aside from, you know, my address and those details. So there was really no indication of what was inside, aside from on the on the side of the box, it said something about um, 
you know, like a part number with 90. So it looked like it was 90 amp hour cells that were shipped to me. When I opened it up, they were quite well packed. Uh, there's two boxes. Each box had eight cells uh, laying on their side in very thick foam. In fact, you're going to see the unboxing process at uh, some point. My uh, live stream viewers have already seen them, but um, they are quite well packed. So there was no shipping damage. So that was pretty nice. But the cells were kind of like in questionable condition. So first of all, I noticed that the stickers, so basically they're metal cased. Um, just think of a metal rectangle. Um, so they're metal cased and they have two sort of uh, four millimeter you know, studs. Actually, I think they're more like six millimeter studs, but regardless, two studs, positive and negative. And the metal case is actually at the positive potential. The, the, the positive terminal is the same, you know, uh, voltage potential as the case. And the case is sort of heat shrunk. And then the top and the bottom have like a paper, plasticky papery sticker on top. That is the, the protection, the, the insulation top and bottom. Well, already that was peeling on most of these cells. And also a whole bunch of them, I think six or seven of them, have um, obvious signs of bulging. Now, I've been watching a lot of lithium battery content. Uh, one is the Digital Mermaid uh, YouTube channel. I've been watching her um, mess with her uh, sailboat. She's building sort of like a electric sailboat type thing. And the other one I really need to look up. It's Andy's Solar something, Andy solar I'm, I'm looking it up now uh off-grid garage oh geez uh so i think his name is andy from the off-grid garage he is in australia digital mermaid is actually a canadian so he's in australia and he does a bunch of experiments with lithium iron batteries oh yeah and also uh roland from roll two videos is another one of my sources but andy from the off-grid garage um he have, he has done experiments with bulges in, uh, in cells and also with compression in cells, like whether or not you have to squeeze the living crap out of them or not. So some of my cells are a little bit bulged, but I have devised a system to squeeze them together, which should alleviate some of the bulging. So that's not too big of a deal. Talk about that in a moment. On top of these cells, to identify them, there's a, a laser etching of a QR code and a serial number. And you can take that QR code and the serial number and put it into a website that decodes um, lithium serial numbers. And it'll tell you a lot about the cell. And so I ran the serial numbers of all 16 cells into, into this decoder. And this is what I found. 14 of them are Eve cells. So Eve is a, a fairly well-known manufacturer of cells. And they are indeed 105 amp hour cells, 3.2 volt lithium iron phosphate. The problem is they were manufactured in a six month span, so they're not in the same batch, but in 2018. So as we sit right now, 2023, these cells are already five years old. Definitely not brand new. Now they might be used or they might be new old stock. My suspicion is that they're used, which is 
maybe not a not so much a huge problem, but definitely not what the seller had represented. Now the other thing is two of those cells, so four, 14 were scannable, two were not scannable. The uh, serial numbers did not uh, decode to anything meaningful, uh, meaning two of them are a giant question mark. I don't know when they were manufactured. They could have been manufactured in 2010 for all I know. Um, also, the studs on the top are laser welded on, some of them very poorly. So some of them have like slag, some of them are very off-centered, uh, some of them are, have just like holes that have burned through like the button where it sits. So I would say these things are not grade A cells. I mean, they may have been grade A cells when they were first manufactured by Eve in 2018, but whatever has happened to them since then um, means they are definitely not grade A. There's a couple of little dings and dents in the cases all little stuff, um, but those little stuff could add up together. Now, because of time constraints, I haven't actually been able to do uh, time constraints on making a video. So this video is not out yet, but it is edited and uploaded, just waiting on uh, final approval for release. But, um, you know, these cells, I don't know their capacity. Now, the AliExpress reviews, when I ordered them, were all positive. They all got their full capacity. But once I placed the order, you know, the next month, new reviews started rolling in saying, oh, these things are garbage capacity. They're not as advertised. And then a few weeks later, there was some more reviews that said they're great. They have full capacity. And then a few weeks later, you know, reviews that said they were garbage. And so... I don't know what they are at the moment. So as we sit right now, I have yet to do a capacity test and I'll get to why in a moment. And so, yeah, the, this whole, you know, the whole thing, I don't, I still don't know if these cells are, you know, trash or not. What I will say is that um, they're probably not worth the thousand dollars, you know, for the 16 cells. I mean, per cell, the price is only about 60 bucks, which is actually fairly inexpensive, even if I end up with cells that are, you know, half their capacity. But in the same time, it was a big investment to to buy, you know, 16 cells from China. But I think what's important to keep in mind is that either way, the calculus for me is not the same as the calculus for someone who relies on these cells to build like an off-grid system or whatever. I bought these cells for an experimentation. So I can mess with BMSs, mess with batteries, mess with solar char charging, all sorts of things like that. And so as long as I can keep doing my the experiments that I had in mind, then these cells are actually worth it for me uh, personally and for the YouTube channel because if I get to mess with things, I get to increase my knowledge. So knowledge to me is priceless, you know, and, and it is what it is. But at the same time, I get to publish my results. And if I have a negative result with a seller, then at least I get to share that information and then prevent other people from making the same mistake. And I will be compensated for my time. Don't get me wrong. I mean, if really this was a massive hit 
to my bottom line, so to speak, my, my quote unquote profit, it's not, you know, like my YouTube channel is still not profitable. I can offset the costs by making, um, you know, lithium battery related projects, making PCBs on those projects and making PCB way videos. Then I also get more experience, more, you know, more stuff. I get to do more stuff, more experiments, more, share more stuff with you guys and, you know, offset some of the costs with uh, PCB way sponsorships. I mean, since we're talking about PCB way sponsorships, we might as well jump into the sponsor spot right now. You guys know PCB Way. They've been a massive sponsor for the channel. They decided to sponsor all of my podcasts going forward. So until that deal changes, um, it's it's a, it's a fantastic deal. I encourage you guys to go check them out. They do PCBs under uh, 10, uh, 10 centimeters by 10 centimeters. Uh, you get five or 10 of them for $5. I mean, they say five of them for $5. But if you put the quantity to 10 so far, as long as they're the correct size, they're also still $5 plus shipping. But what's cool is if you have smaller boards, just keep bumping the quantity up until the price goes up and then just move the quantity back down. Um, I've had some people reach out to me to say that they've got 20 or 25 boards because they were much smaller, uh, still at the $5 threshold. And what you get is really high quality boards. I mean, I have a ton of them laying around here because of the projects I've been doing, and they're awesome. In fact, they've got a pretty cool project coming out uh, shortly, which I'm very proud of. So yeah, PCB way, uh, not only PCBs, they also do 3D printing. Um, they do CNC work, all sorts of stuff like that. Check them out in the link in the description. It really helps the channel, you know, like we were talking about offsetting costs. Maybe one day I'll be profitable, but for now, thanks PCB way and uh, sponsors like them. I'm uh, nearly cost neutral. So moving on, these cells are probably not the best. I mean, they are not the best quality. I can say that for sure. But what they allowed me to do is I have designed a bracket system to compress the cells together. Now, what compression does, um, you'll find the Internet is quite divided on this. Some YouTubers who purport themselves to be experts, they may be, but they're more knowledgeable than me, so I can't judge if they're experts or not. They're definitely better than me. They'll say that you must compress these prismatic cells together. They are not meant to be uh, free-floating, you know, without support in, in their long directions. They must be, like, tightly bound together. Other YouTubers who are also more knowledgeable than me they say compression doesn't matter. Other YouTubers, more knowledgeable than me again, will say that it has an effect, but it's not necessary. Now, it gets even more muddy because I took a look at the data sheet for these, these EVE cells that I have, and nowhere in the data sheet does it mention that it needs to be mounted in compression. However, EVE does have data sheets for bigger cells, that say that um, their cells are good for 1,000 um, cycles with 80% depth of discharge um, to 80% capacity. So if they were 100 amp hour cells, you can drop them from 100% to 20% and back up to 100% a thousand times 
And when you test that battery again, it'll still have retained 80% of its total capacity. So there'll still be 80 amp hour cells. And if you compress the cells, you'll get 2000 of those cycles, not 1000. So it doubles the life of the cells. And now think about what that means. If you have 1000 cycles at 80% depth of discharge, that means you've pulled 80 amp hours out of each one of those cells, right? So they're either they're all in series or series parallel configurations once a day for three years, just under three years. And your batteries are still 80% of the capacity they were when you bought them. If you compress the cells, you get 2000. That's just over five years of drawing them down 80% every day. And they're still at 80% capacity of total capacity guaranteed. That's, you know, under test conditions. So if you're someone like me who is tinkering with these things, I'm going to go fishing with them. I'm going to try to power the lights in my, um, you know, power my, my entire uh, filming operation here with them eventually. I will probably only draw them down about 10% per day. I'll probably get a 10, 10% dip depth of discharge. And I think the stats are for like a 30% depth of discharge. They'll last like 5,000 cycles before they hit the 80%. So for someone like me, it really shouldn't matter. However, I'm still going to compress them. I'm going to do the best practices possible so that when I do my tests, then I'll have the most accurate sort of figures possible for what I understand. So from what I understand, they will perform better when they're compressed. And so that's what I plan on doing, compressing them. That being said, I designed a modular system for compressing these cells, holding them together, and also making them portable. So if you can consider, I've designed like a backplate with uh, hexagons for, for a pattern, like hexagonal cutouts. And I've created these brackets that hold each cell together. And then you put threaded rod through them and then you tighten them up. And then it makes your it makes a nice portable battery rig. I mean, I'll say portable in big uh, quotes because uh, these cells are quite heavy. They're about 2.2 pounds per cell, so two kilograms per cell. And the battery that I just built that I have the video on, that's not released yet, but it is uploaded. Uh, so it weighs like 17 pounds. It weighs, you know, eight kilos. So it's a fairly small package, but it weighs a lot. So I think when I get to building a bigger pack, which is the plan. So the plan is I have 16 cells. I'm going to build one four cell pack, another four cell pack, and another eight cell pack for a 24 volt system. So the, 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 the four cell packs are portable, but you know, only just, but the 24 cell pack is going to be quite heavy. So we'll have to see about transporting that, especially holding it using 3d printed handles. But yeah, this modular system, is made sort of like a loose fit, so you can compress the hell out of the cells. Um, I think the manufacturer for the cells that, that should be compressed, they require uh, 200 kilos. Is it 200 kilos? No, 300 kilos 
of compression force. And so uh, that means like 600 pounds of compression force. So I use threaded rod. And if you torque the threaded rod to spec, six of them will allow me to get, I think it was 900 pounds of clamping force. So I'll be well within there. But I think the clamping exists, you know, on a spectrum. Whereas if you do the, the rated clamping, that is ideal. If you do no clamping, that is, you know, less than ideal. But anywhere in between is better than, than nothing, right? So I have it quite tight now. I'm letting the cells rest a bit and I'm going to tighten them a little bit more again. And with a torque wrench, I should be able to calculate the finalized tightening torque. But that's just going to be for another day. But anyways, now that they're together, this is what I was getting at. I haven't capacity tested them yet. Now that they're together, I'm going to set up the battery management system, the BMS, in a reasonable position. I'm going to have some output terminals in a reasonable position. And then I'll finally be able to draw current from it. Once I can draw current from it, I'm going to do a couple of discharge tests and I'm going to see how much capacity is really left on my cells. Hopefully I get the whole 105 amp hours. I don't think I will, but hopefully I do. And if I don't, at least I hope to have enough capacity to be useful. So 50 amp hours or more. I'll be kind of upset if it's 50 amp hours, but I just have to keep in mind that I bought these as a learning experience and that I will definitely get out of these cells. I'll be hesitant to buy from that seller again for sure, but I'll definitely have the experience that comes with it, which in my opinion is quite a bit more important than having an ideal pack. I also have a slight bone to pick with, uh, I think it's Jabida, Jabida, I think it's, uh, anyways, JBD BMS's battery management systems. So I ordered from their official store on AliExpress two of their BMSs to go along with my uh, battery pack building. And um, they shipped, you know, like as normal. I think it was $120, $130 Canadian for two of them. And they shipped them and they sat in my sort of my stockpile here for a little bit until I got to a mailbag video. Unboxed them in a mailbag video. And it turns out there was only one in the box. So they had only sent me one out of the two. I spent two weeks jumping through hoops, sending them images, sending them video footage of me unboxing them, um, them stopping replying. Uh, and then AliExpress had to step in and they had they refunded me half my money. But the crap part is I had to pay the full shipping for both of them and only ended up with one of them. So I paid a little bit more than I should have for one of them. But as matters got worse, after this was all said and done, I got refunded for one. The one that I have has uh, threaded terminals and the threads are missing completely out of one of the four terminals on it. And this is a type that is sort of a terminal that is bent, that is uh, drilled or punched and then tapped and then soldered onto the board. So now I have a blind hole, which is, means a hole that doesn't go all the way through. I mean, it's not really. It goes through the metal, but there is PCB in the way behind it. But I have this hole that I now have to tap with a, 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 a tap. I need two taps, basically. I need a 
uh, regular tapped, tapped threads. And then if I can't get the tap down low enough, I have to get a bottoming tap, a second tap, in order to tap the threads on it. And so I'm so upset because that is the BMS I was the most excited about. I actually bought three BMSs in anticipation of building three battery packs. In fact, I bought four. Uh, the first one I bought was a Dali BMS. I paid a lot of money. I think I paid $160 or $170 each, and I bought two of them. But when talking to the seller after I had already bought them, I said, you know, uh, some of the BMSs can be used in series configurations, uh, some of them in parallel configurations, as in, you know, with in parallel with another BMS or in series with another BMS. Some of them have active balancing, et cetera, et cetera. The seller said, yeah, the one you ordered had none of those features. He said, here's the active balancers if you want them. So they were extra uh, $35 upgrades on both of them. So I was like, okay. And then I was like, okay, can I attach two of these in series to make you know, two 12-volt packs and then connect them together to make a 24-volt pack? He said, no. In order to do the series connection, you need to order this extra device. And that was like $50 each or something like that. I'm making up the numbers, but it was some somewhere around that. I was like, okay, can I at least put two in parallel so I get double the capacity? And they're like, no, you have to buy these special parallel adapters. And I was like, you know what? At this point, screw it. Cancel my order. They're not shipped yet. Cancel it. Give my money back. So AliExpress put in the request for canceling the order, but the seller refused to acknowledge it for a week. So they were holding my money for a week. So that was the Dali BMS. I still want to try Dali BMS, but oh, I don't think I want to buy them from the official store because it just gave me a little bit of the heebie-jeebies. So the next one I went is uh, on the, I think it was the advice of Roland from Roll2 Videos, uh, a JBD BMS, so a Jabida. That was the one I had issues with, but I didn't know at the time I would have issues until it arrived. So that's not a problem. The next one I ordered was a Helltech BMS, which was only like $40 Canadian, something extremely cheap. And um, it doesn't have the fancy features like Bluetooth and stuff like that, but it is a valid BMS. So I decided to go with, with that one, the Helltech BMS, for um, this setup here. And then uh, I think after watching the Digital Mermaids um, videos, I decided to get myself a JK BMS, which was the most expensive out of everything. In fact, I think it might have been more expensive than the um, than the Dali, or maybe it was close to the same price. But it is full featured. Uh, it is fancy. It is uh, rock solid. Uh, no, it was a little bit cheaper than the Dali, one hundred twenty three fifty for the uh, JK BMS. But apparently, it's the gold standard in uh, DIY pack BMSs for the moment, unless you want to pay a very premium price to get a really high end device. Um, but the problem with the JK BMS is that it does uh, four cells up to eight cells in series, which means that if I do want to make a 24 volt pack, which I intend to, I need to save the JK for that pack. And so I don't have the JK on, on this pack that I'm building right now. I have the Helltech BMS. Now the Helltech BMS seems fine. Um, I don't think it has active balancing. And so that's not great. Uh, however, I do have active balancers I'm going to add to it. Um, 
and I do also have the um, the sort of the smart shunt, so I'll be able to test my batteries. But um, I can't wait to do that. But but it's just uh, filming it is going to be a bit of a pain in the butt because now we're talking about cells with a lot of capacity, you know, a hundred amp hours. And so if I pull a current of you know 0.2 C, which is that means point 0.2 times the rated capacity. That means it'll take me five hours to drain it fully. And that means to do a capacity test, if these batteries are any good, will take literally five hours. So the filming will be a little bit weird on that. I might just set up OBS and record, but then that's a continuous recording of five hours. That's going to be a little intense. So maybe I'll just, I don't know. We'll see how I'm going to test it. But um, Hopefully you guys will get subscribed for that and uh, encourage me because that's going to be a lot of work. So in other news, this past weekend was uh, open source. For those of you that don't know, I, I believe William Osman is the uh, is the one in charge of open source. Now, I know he's, you know, involved. I'm not sure if he's the only one involved, the only public facing person involved. But it does seem like it's his uh, maker fair type competitor uh, that was hosted in San Francisco this weekend. And what makes, I think, this uh, event so special is that there must have been like 30 or 40 featured YouTubers that went there and a ton more that just attended the event as attendees. And so I'm quite envious of uh, of that kind of show. I, uh, I really wish I would have um, been able to attend this year but for a couple of reasons like I don't know I don't show my face ever nobody knows who I am actually a few people know who I am but very few and they keep it very secret um, and the fact that I think the flight to San Fran and back is something around a thousand fifteen hundred Canadian dollars Plus the hotels in San Francisco, a couple hundred bucks a night. Um, it gets very expensive very quick. I, I don't have that kind of money this year. Maybe next year. We'll see. I'm really excited to try these kinds of conferences. But the problem of living in Canada is it makes airfare very expensive. It's very cost prohibitive to fly from Canada to the U.S. And worse than that... Um, most of these things are held on the West Coast. And so it's something like a thousand or fifteen hundred kilometers or whatever it is to go from here to there. So I couldn't even reasonably drive there. I think Toronto has some sort of maker fair. Let's see. I'll, I'm going to do it live right now. Toronto maker events. We'll take we'll take a look. Um, Eventbrite has listings. Uh, make a thing introduction to 3d printing comedy night at mischief makers no yeah i don't know if there's like a maker fair even in toronto toronto is a, a four and a half hour drive for me and um, the hotel room is kind of like the same sort of prices as san francisco i mean a little bit cheaper but yeah i don't i don't even think we have one so yeah no you know no maker fair in toronto so I can't do anything, you know, a little bit closer or anything like that. Um, let's see. Maker Festival. Let's see. There's a Maker Festival 
Let, where, where are we going? Where are we going? Maker Festival. Oh, it has a COVID-19 warning. And they're saying they're going to reschedule it to another date in 2020. So let's just say it's not happening. <laughs> so, yeah, Canada is not great for that. We don't have a lot of um, makery type things. We were supposed to have one here in Ottawa, but it seems to have gotten canceled because of whatever reasons. Probably it was COVID at the time. And that was like last year. So needless to say, I would love to attend one of these events, but I'd have to get over quite a few hurdles. It would help to also hear about, um, you know, the people listening to this. Would you would would you care for a meet and greet? Like, let's say I was at Open Sauce. Would you would would you want me to do a talk? Is it fine just seeing me in the crowd and you know I just go as an attendee? Am I important enough to be uh, in, invited? I mean, I'm under no illusions to the fact that I'm still a very small YouTube creator. But what's great about my situation of being a small YouTube creator is I've garnered quite a kind and um, uh, yeah, quite a kind and involved audience. You guys are, are pretty awesome. The podcast audience specifically, I mean, every single week you guys tune in to the tune of uh, uh, several hundred of you, which is awesome. I mean, it's quite encouraging. Um, let's see if I can check my, my stats real quick too. Since it's just me, you know, I can just uh, ramble on while I load the thing. Yeah, it seems like, uh, yeah, about 350 of you uh, just on the audio only have been uh, tuning in. So that's been pretty nice uh, on a regular basis. So I can kind of, uh, I can kind of trust that uh, those kinds of views are coming back. The YouTube audience is another couple hundred, uh, depending on the guest. So, you know, we're talking about, you know, about 500 to 500 to a thousand sort of semi-regular listeners it's quite humbling to hear lots of people like that but on the scale of something like a california with you know 40 40 million inhabitants that's quite a f that, that that's not a lot and so there's even there's a uh, canadian event called ltx which is sort of tangentially related to electronics stuff it's a it's a tech thing from linus tech tips and quite a few like big creators go there too, but not really in my vertical. I think the only people in my vertical are more like uh, Electroboom. So Electroboom is probably going to be at LTX this year. But even there, I mean, that's all the way in British Columbia. So that is all the way on the West Coast, uh, about the same price to fly from Ottawa to the West Coast than it is to fly to San Francisco. So it's not it's not very convenient, but at some point, you know, I, I am going to take the dive and attend because I think it'd be pretty awesome seeing cool people like that. Maybe next year even I'll do the Open Hardware Summit. Uh, I did watch the talks this year live on the uh, on the YouTube channel. It was quite interesting stuff. I kind of feel like rubbing shoulders with people that are far more intelligent than me um, and talk about cool stuff. And uh, I do have some ideas for some videos to be filmed in situ, like, um, like for example, bring a couple of Arduino kits, like maybe see if I can get, you know, uh, Elegoo or something to sponsor a couple kits, bring the kits around and um, have a sort of like a hackathon for 
you know, take a video of, let's say, me versus another hardware person to build something cool in, you know, an hour and based on a theme. And the theme would be, you know, something randomly selected probably by ChatGPT. And then we would just go around the conference floor and see if we can get people to judge our creations. And it would only be for fun, right? But it's stuff like that that'd be really cool. Then I could meet up with people like um, Senya, uh, which I had on the podcast, people like Aisha. Um, I mean, basically all the people I had on the podcast, a big chunk of them went to Open Hardware Summit. Some of them went to Open Source. So I'd really love to meet up with these people in person at some point. That'd be really cool to do. So I don't need to end this podcast uh, fairly shortly because it is now 10, 16 p.m. and I still need to edit this. So I want to talk to you real quick about uh, what projects are coming across my desk for the next week or so until we talk again on the next podcast. First things first, a lot of the content coming down the pipeline is going to be about the lithium cells. They simply take up a lot of space and I am the most excited to work on them. And so um, usually excitement is a great driver for me. And therefore, that is probably where my head is going to be at. So I'm going to be seeing if I can, um, you know, do capacity testing on these cells. I have the smart shunt that I want to take a look at and see if I can get uh, functioning. I'm also going to uh, attempt to use a active cell balancer and see if that's going to help at all. So all these things are going to be visited sort of in individual videos. I also want to design more accessories for my bracketing system and fix a little a couple little things that make it a little bit hard to use before I can release that to the public. But that's certainly going to be a video as well. Also, I need a another reliable 3D printer. So I did talk about the fact that I have a sort of Core XY, uh, Tron XY X5SA printer that I bought linear rails for. And at the moment, um, you know, my my Tronxy, the, the small one, uh, the X3A is my most reliable printer. And so I can rely on that one and I can disassemble the Core XY printer in another room and do perform the upgrade to it. So I'm going to upgrade the electronics, change it to linear rails, try to square up the frame a little bit, uh, change the hot end, uh, put auto bed leveling, change the bed surface. So all that is going to happen at some point, but I probably won't really be able to publish a video on that in quite a while because it's going to take a lot of fiddling to get to. And I don't even really know how to breach the subject. I don't really know how to sort of uh, present it all in a digestible manner. So that's going to take a little bit. I also took a look at M5 Stacks microcontrollers. Uh, one is the M5 Stamp, Stamp C3, something like that. It's a RISC processor. And I took a look at another one with a OLED uh, screen on it. I think it was OLED. Anyways, um, I was not happy about how difficult it was to get started with those boards. And I've uh, shared my feedback with uh, M5. They're, they seem to be a great company. So they took the feedback in stride, but I made a video. I'm just afraid it's going to come off a little bit 
too negative because like I did warn them ahead of time that I am not an expert in this field. In fact, I get quite confused easily with new products, stuff that I haven't seen people mess with. Um, I need very clear documentation. I am not a particularly intelligent person when it comes to uh, microcontrollers and such. And so I was kind of disappointed to see how non-user friendly it was for beginners but it is what it is i mean i can only take a look at the product that's in front of me i appreciate them sending it to me um, but if you guys have any resources for m5 stack stuff um, let me know already i have i i had adam bryant in the chat uh, helping me out but it, it just it still wasn't enough these things are quite complicated to use I had to download a whole new IDE. They wanted me to use their web IDE, which is fine, but you have to make an account. And I, I mean, anything that you need to make an account for, I think is just, it's a lot of friction. There was already a lot of friction and you know, you're adding another step. You got to make an account, choose a password, one that's different from all your other passwords. Cause you don't know if this one's going to be stored in plain text. And then you have to go verify your account. And it's just, it's, you know, then you can get spam emails. I'm not into it. So uh, if someone has any good resources for M5 stack, I even had issues following their instructions on installing the sort of like, like the firmware or the boards on the Arduino IDE, which it says on their website, it should be able to support it, but I couldn't get anything uploaded to it. So I don't know. I don't know what to say. It's uh, It wasn't a good experience, but I do like M5 products. And so I really hope they um, really hope they, they fix that soon. Um, another thing is that my solar panels, they need to go in the backyard at some point soon. Uh, summer is almost over. We are three quarters or uh, two thirds, two thirds of the way through uh, July already. And my solar panels are not out there. One of the issues is I need to replace um, my basement window, the, my workshops in the basement, with a uh, precisely cut piece of plywood and make, you know, change the seals and everything so that I can run cables into the house without drilling holes into the house. And those windows are garbage anyways. So I'm just going to unscrew the window, screw on the piece of plywood uh, coated with, you know, resin and stuff to make it waterproof and then I have to make a cable entry and then I have to run cables all the way to the deep of the backyard um, the only place that the sun hits because my yard is very very narrow and the house shades the backyard a lot and so yeah I need to do all that infrastructure honestly I'll probably only have it ready just before winter so it'll be less effective but it doesn't matter because you know, I can still be using that electricity to power my stuff in the shop here. Uh, I have 300 watts of permanent solar panels plus another uh, 100 watts of a temporary folding one. So that should be uh, interesting enough to capture some electricity and see how much we can use here in the great white north. At the very least, the panels will stay cool because uh, they won't overheat. That's for sure. I also have a couple of products to review. I have a microscope from Adonstar. Uh, they sent me their sort of top of the line microscope. I hope, I mean, I have a, 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 a pretty good 
microscope already in a pluggable USB one. I like that one, but the problem is you do need to be tethered to a computer. So that's a downside. Then I have a Anlove uh, digital microscope with a screen integrated on it and a lithium battery. So that one's pretty nice because it's quite portable. I can just grab it and put it down wherever and take a look directly on the screen. No tethering necessary. But this new one, this uh, Dawnstar, it's like, I think it has a 7 or a 10-inch 1080p screen. And it has uh, two microscopes built in. One that sees from a little bit further and one that sees from a lot closer. And apparently the working height is quite is enough to do soldering and stuff underneath. So you get a lot of sort of room to to spread your uh, spread your wings underneath there and do some good work. So I can't wait to take a look at that. That's going to be pretty cool. Um, and another company is sending me a robot car. So that's that's something that I might be doing on a live stream instead of a typical video, or I might do what I've done sometimes uh, is live stream the filming of a video. That's that's also a quite distinct possibility. Should be fun. I do love building robots. Um, I do have a couple here that I have built and haven't really used. So another live stream idea could be, you know, me taking all the parts out and sorting the parts and sort of uh, putting them back into inventory. Although I believe I have a lot of those parts already in inventory. I mean, it's just it's it's Arduino boards with uh, daughter boards or whatever hats and um, a bunch of servos and a bunch of gears and stuff like that. So I do have a lot of that stuff already kicking around, but I haven't um, messed with it very much. I've also been thinking of picking up some Lego. So. I do work quite a bit these days. Um, I do have time to to make YouTube videos, which is a big difference between this contract and the last contract I worked as a teacher. But I've also increased my hours working at the garage as a professional. So now I work five days a week. I have the weekends off, but typically on the weekends I have to do you know housework or I do. Um, I do work on my friend's cars or my car or my wife's car, etc. But I do have some leisure time that I like to spend listening to a podcast, specifically the H3 podcast. It is my guilty pleasure. So Ethan Klein and the crew over there, if anyone ever listens to this, I don't I don't think so. You guys are all like we're all in, we're all in different worlds here. But if you guys do listen to the H3 podcast, um, I don't know how to explain it. It's just very entertaining. It gives it, it's a lot of news, uh, but sort of like drama news, like which person is being a butthead, uh, you know, like like celebrities doing um, dirty things and, you know, not being, you know, uh, not seeing the consequences for those things or whatever. I, I don't know. It, it's hard to explain. It's a very good podcast for just chilling. And what's nice is that it's visual and I can listen to it, but but it, but it is also visual. So I can't really do too many things while I listen to the podcast. But I was thinking of trying to build a Lego kit during the podcast because I can have it on the screen in front of me, of my desk in front of me. I can, I can do something like follow instructions for a Lego kit. 
I have tried prototyping PCBs and stuff like that during H3. It's very difficult because um, doing electronics uses sort of a lot of my brain, a lot of my brain power. And so I end up not paying attention to one or the other and I miss some stuff or, uh, you know, I make mistakes on my PCBs. But something like a Lego kit, I think it'll just be more relaxing. And so I might might pick up like a like a nice Lego Technic kit. The other thing is they're kind of expensive, but I mean, I'll have to see. I'll have to see if I'll enjoy it. And it's definitely better to uh, try it and know than not know. And also the crazy thing about Lego kits is if you disassemble it and put everything back in the boxes, you can get like 60 to 75% of the retail price you paid on the used market. And if you wait a couple of years uh, and the, the set is discontinued, you can get nearly all or all of your of, of what you paid back. Lego is quite universal and it holds its value quite well. I mean, I was really lucky to, to buy a childhood Lego kit of mine. Um, so that was pretty nice. But yeah, I think I'm going to call it here. So I want to thank you guys a lot for listening. Let me know in the comments below if these sort of rambling podcasts uh, work for you. Uh, it is nice to have a guest on, but um, I've actually fired a whole bunch of emails off a couple of weeks ago and haven't heard anything back. But I'm pretty sure a lot of the creators I was talking to uh, were either featured at open source or simply just attended them as attendees. Uh, and so I'm pretty sure people are just busy. And so hopefully I'll get some responses before next week. But if not, I'll figure out what to do next week. Either way, um, you come hang out on the live streams. I'm going to try to do them more frequently. And uh, yeah, other than that, have a great one. And I'll catch you on the next one. And uh, thank you very much to the, you know, between four and 700, maybe a thousand people who listen to this podcast every two weeks. I love you.